FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway. I'm Chris Hudson and you're listening to FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast. And it is Tuesday the 9th of February in what is a very snowy day in London town. And I've got Kerry and Tom joining me again. Thank you, guys. Hi, guys. Morning, guys. So a little overview of what we've had in the news in the past week since the last podcast. Uh, Italian politician and ex-ECB head Mario Draghi moved in a step closer to forming a new Italian government. There were fears of fresh Ebola outbreak in the DRC. South Africa has halted the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine after results showed it had no effect on the local variant there. Cuba lifted its ban on most private business as the country tackles its deepest economic crisis in decades. Germany, Sweden and Poland are to expel Russian diplomats in a retaliation for Moscow's steps to remove EU diplomats last week. Uh, That is after their support of the opposition leader. ICE is set to shift EU carbon trading from London to Amsterdam in the latest Brexit-related move. Japan's Topic Stock Market Exchange closed at its highest since 1991, and British exports to the EU dropped by some 68% in January compared to the same time last year. And of course, we are about uh, there. We're almost there with the celebrations for Chinese New Year. And I thought it'd be good to start with a little bit about Chinese New Year for those who don't know too much about it. Obviously, this year, 2021, is going to start on a Friday, uh, the 12th, because coming Friday, uh, with the celebrations culminating in the Lantern Festival on the 26th. And it is something which is celebrated by more than 20% of the world. Uh, so you're wondering in our markets this week, we're talking about a little bit quieter mm, yeah. uh, situation on things, then you you know the reason why. Uh, the ox, which is 2021's uh, kind of animal, is associated with earthly branch and the hours of one to three in the morning. So if you're a night owl, then this is your year. Uh, in terms of yin and yang, the ox is yang. And specifically, this year is the year of the metal ox. So why don't we go into some of our indexes. Tom, what are we seeing on the iron ore index uh, week uh, on week? Uh, 65% index, Chris, the higher grade uh, was $180.05 and is now trading at $184.45. So up 2.4% on the week. Uh, and the 62% was $156.05 and, was, and is now trading at $159.80. Again, up 2.4% on the week. And Kerry, what about the freight markets? Well, it's been a one-way ride so far uh, for much of the last month on the Cape size, and that's continued with the Cape index at $12,057 on that 5TC average. That's down $3,459, or 22.3%. Panamax's, meanwhile, gained a little bit uh, with the 4TC average at 13862 As of yesterday, that's up $562 on the week, or 3.9%. Thank you, Kerry. And to finish off our index view, Brent has been up 6.5% since last Monday. Uh, this is Monday the 1st versus Monday the 8th, uh, according to uh, FIS's stats end of day reports. Uh, the ROT 3.5%, the high sulfur fuel oil up also over 6%, 6.2% 6. to 3.3450. The Sing 380, the equivalent high sulfur in Sing, 3.49 quarter, up 6.1% week on week. Uh, even higher rises in the Sing point, uh, in the 0.5%. Uh, Rotterdam 0.5% up, <clears throat> 7.6%, 43804, up 
up a seven point percent as well on the six six point five percent to four six three twenty eight. Uh, and the high fives, big moves there, thirteen percent up on the Rotterdam high five uh, to one oh four. Now above 100 uh, and seeing high five to 114 up 9.6 percent uh, week on week. And to finish off, Tankers uh, was down 12 percent on the TC2 uh, from 134.17 to 118.61. TC5 is up 11 percent to 82.71. TD3C, that's the VLs, uh, minus 3 percent to 30.08. And TD25 is up 4 percent to 71 quarter closing yesterday. So what about the markets and the reasonings for our movements? Tom, we've seen a, a little move up after we dropped down last week on the iron ore. Uh, what are we seeing this week? Uh, we have on a Monday versus Monday basis, but I think it's worth drawing uh, attention to the fact that on Tuesday last week, we were down $6 uh, and then we recovered $8 by Thursday and dropped another $2 on Friday and recovered $4 uh, yesterday, so it, it might have looked a fairly sanguine week uh, with that two point four percent increase, but actually it's been a bit of a roller coaster uh, the last few days uh, in terms of <coughs> the iron ore complex generally. Um, in terms of what we've been seeing driving that, I mean we keep talking about steel margins, and uh, with that sort of decline that I just mentioned, that six dollar drop. Um, you had seen uh, significantly improved margins um, on any index-linked iron ore-related uh, costs going into that steel complex, um, which in turn has probably helped drive a bit of buying. Um, so most of the mills, though, however, do appear to be in sort of cost-saving mode, uh, avoiding the um, the more expensive fines. Um, so most users are still sort of finding themselves buying medium grade fines and low grade fines, but most of them avoiding uh, any of the high grade stuff like the Caracas, fi uh, Caracas fines. Um, in terms of deliveries, we talk about constantly Australian, Australian and Brazilian iron ore delivery uh, into China. That was up uh, nearly 5 million tonnes week on week, so just shy of 25 million tonnes during the week. Um, so... Um, which is a big increase uh, on where we've been. And a lot of that will be coming in over the Chinese uh, New Year week as well. Um, physical traders, uh, iron ore traders onshore have indicated a big decrease uh, in January, however, of port side evacuations. Um, so average trading volume, uh, daily trading volume was about 867,000 tonnes a day. Um, for over the first week of February, which is a 24% decrease from your average run rate in January, um, which does suggest that the mills are not keen to be buying uh, landed uh, or at these prices. Um, as I mentioned at the start, we have then seen a little bit of a rebound off that drop. Um, <clears throat> that has been yeah, increased buying on the back of those better margins, but also as we go into the... Um, uh, New Year holiday uh, that Chris was talking about over in China. Uh, there's sort of been, or there, uh, there is a need to to hedge um, rebar and uh, purchase price costs included in it uh, across that 12 day period. Um, so that's probably spiked a bit of a bit of buying as well. Um, that said, massive drop off on open interest on the DCE, so down 40% from uh, December. Um, 
which is a, a big, big shift. But a lot of that is very much seasonal. Um, in terms of other points of note in the market um, over the last few days, um, Vale's production estimates were some big news. Uh, so their quarterly output in Q4 um, was a big miss uh, versus expectations. Um, so they ended the year with 322 million tons, having said that they would um, would end up a bit higher than that uh, at middle midpoint of December. Um, and their forecast for next year, they've risen to 350 million tons and are aiming to get back to that 400 million ton target by the end of 2022. Um, and interestingly, as well, uh, the People's Bank of China, the PBOC, um, normally prior to um, Chinese New Year, it, it introduced a load of cash into the market uh, to help with the, the normally quite large cash draw. Uh, over the over the, the New Year holiday, due to people giving ang bows, red envelopes, um, so there's normally a big big cash draw uh, during the the holiday spending period. People have gifts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but actually, they have withdrawn 80 billion RMB of net liquidity on Wednesday, which is a sign maybe that they are looking to now cool uh, any sort of overheating in the market and dampen down any general expectations of increased stimulus. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out um, over the coming weeks once China gets back to work after the holiday. Um, and then just generally, Nippon Steel and Kaiba Steel, two of the big um, uh, Japanese steel producers, uh, have sort of flagged to the market that they are starting to grind into a sort of recovery phase now, um, which the world will hopefully take some positive views from and, and that's being echoed as well by Janet Yellen uh, in the US very much driving a, a narrative of uh, sort of stimulus fueled growth recovery over the next few months so maybe some positive economic news coming out of some other major global economies uh, other than China now um, but that's sort of the, the story of the last few days for me. I mean, Tom, it's, it's interesting to hear you read through that list because there are a couple of points there that one could take as, as let's call them um, potential warning flags if you were yeah. inclined to read them, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's you know, that especially the fact that the arrivals during Chinese New Year should be very, very heavy given that big upsurge in, uh, in exports from China, uh, sorry, sorry, from Australia and Brazil rather, yeah. uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, meanwhile, the, uh, the fact that port evacuations are falling off already indicates that perhaps that uh, pre-Lunar New Year buying frenzy that we normally see from the, uh, the Chinese mills in order to restock has, uh, has already waned a little bit. Um, yeah. When you pair that with the PBOC moves, you know, you could possibly say there are a few red flags here to watch after the, uh, after the Chinese New Year holiday. Yeah, absolutely. I think combined, they could actually have a fairly serious cooling uh, effect on the, on the iron ore and steel yeah. pocket. And, and one thing I just noticed this morning was that the uh, the tracker that we use of the average Chinese uh, steel mill profit margins remains in the negative, despite having found a floor and rebounded a bit, uh, was still showing, I believe, negative uh, 66 RMB overall yeah. uh, this morning, which, uh, which again is still in territory that would discourage the mills from, uh, from purchasing huge amounts, uh, as you pointed out, right? Yeah, I think the other thing that's actually quite interesting um is that and it's, it's the it's happened and we've talked about it on this podcast last year 
the disconnect between the iron ore market and the cake market at the moment yeah. is quite interesting. I'm not going to steal yeah. you, from that, but you know what's happening in the cake markets is not ref- in, in the forward curve particularly is not really reflecting what's happening in the iron ore market and vice versa. Um, so it, well, it's exactly. yeah exactly. Um, and especially, yeah, uh, given that the capes continue to, to fall fairly steeply, even against those increased uh, exports out of Australia and Brazil um, yeah. uh, in the last few weeks, which uh, which should really have triggered uh, a, a slightly more active uh, chartering interest in the cape market. Yeah, it has been a weird year, 2020, coming into 2021 as well. And you've got a, a Chinese New Year holiday on the back of a global pandemic. It might not react in the same way as we're we're used to well, exactly. That's it. It's, it's very, very difficult to make consistent mm. calls, right? About uh, uh, or, or, or expect that the market will behave, um, yeah, the way it normally, especially as China seems to be doing much better than other economies at coming back. And there was a story this morning I was reading about uh, container rates where China's playing through the nose for all these containers because there's such a short supply of them, and actually, it's not worth um, filling them up for the return journey back to China because there's so much coming out of of China itself and no one else is interested at the moment and looking yeah. at the US yeah. and China they're probably the economy is going to come out of this the strongest uh, the IMF was forecasting so exactly something to look in March post Chinese New Year holiday whether we get a, a boom then uh, yeah. everyone going back to to work or this slowly slides as we were discussing on those warning signs into um, yeah. a depressing Q1 2021 watch Anyway, Tom did touch on the cake market, Kerry, and I know that you're itching to tell us well, how it's. Yeah, to the I mean, same. I mean, it, it will be interesting to see what happens on the cake market because uh, for the past week it has continued in a very steady slide downwards, um, uh, shedding a further twenty-two percent, just a little over twenty-two percent on that five TC average uh, to close just above twelve thousand yesterday. Uh, for a while last week, it seemed almost like the market was finding a floor uh, as the C three Brazil. China uh, Voyage Index even managed to make some small gains on Thursday and Friday. However, that was very fleeting. Um, and it turns out that was really driven by vessels able to make very prompt ladies, um, that is, end Feb and start of March, uh, who were able to command a strong premium, while bids remained stuck below $15 per ton uh, for those mid-March dates. Uh, and the C5 West Aussie to China has been holding relatively steady at just under six bucks. Um, it is worth noting as we head into the relative lull of the Chinese New Year holidays at the end of this week, the Atlantic market on the Cape still look relatively well supported. Uh, there are healthy rates being paid on both uh, front haul and TA business in that North Atlantic market and uh, reasonably solid cargo lists. Um, so that could be a somewhat positive sign that any flurry of fixing activity this week in the East in the lead up to the Chinese New Year holiday could see that market push a bit. Although, you know, it's worth noting we've seen precious little sign of that so far. Um, Paper predictably drifted down further with the March contract trading down from around 10,000 value this time last week to trade at 7,950 this morning. Uh, Again, I want to note those deferred contracts have remained well supported though. So the Q4 is trading this morning at 17,250, essentially the same level as this time last week on the Capes. The Panamax has once again been moving in the opposite direction. They gained nearly 4% in the past week on the 4TC average. And uh, this, left, uh, this has left us with an inverted Cape Panamax spread on both the spot index and the nearby months. Um, relatively unusual situation. Uh, 
Throughout the recent market moves, the North Atlantic market has been well supported on the Panamax. And indeed, on the spot index, front haul is more than double the level of the pack rounds, which is drawing a few more vessels into, uh, into accepting backhaul routes. Uh, so if no pack inquiry remains steady, this could support rates in the east as well. Uh, looking at the paper, the March has gained fairly steadily during the past week to trade 13,450 this morning, about 1,000 up on last week, while the Q4 contract on the Panamaxes has been flat to actually marginally down, trading 12,200 value this morning. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, on the oil side, uh, specifically fuels, I mean, we have seen, as we pointed out in the indexes to start with, significant moves up across the board on crude and related products. Uh, this has definitely been driven by, of course, the vaccine programs, more confidence in the future that things will return back to normal. And the big news is OPEC's cuts, uh, and they're continuing to, to hold back production to really support prices. Uh, and so you can see that across all the grades that it's responded to those moves. Uh, we've seen Brent crude for April uh, pushed uh, through the intraday high of $60. That was yesterday. Uh, which is a level we've not seen since the crash in prices, that quickest crash in 125 years uh, in April. We are now back to levels that we saw the prior January. So it's been a slow uh, return back to those prices, uh, but we are, we are there just over a year to take it back to those January levels. In terms of OPEC, uh, they have increased uh, by around 160,000 barrels per day uh, with their new output cuts coming into to kind of fruition now on the first day of the month uh, with the Saudis reducing their output again. I know this is something that they've done several times is to take a lot of the cuts for the group generally. And this meant that they were able to redistribute that uh, level to, to Russia, especially to kind of maintain the equilibrium between supply and demand as we return out of the, the crisis, but still allowing some slack to some of those countries who've been really trying to increase levels. Again, the EIA, we've seen a draw in crude, but a build in products. Uh, we'll be able to see that again this week, whether that's continuing trends. We had a really large draw the week before. Uh, this one's slightly smaller, only a million barrels. Uh, but again, that's still pointing towards a rosier picture and adding to the support to the market. So OPEC's commitments to uphold current output quotas are seeming to, to work and rebalance this market. Um, as we, they revised down their oil demand forecast for 2021. So they're, they're trying to play the balancing act here as they go forward. But if we look technically as well, the Brent futures continue to produce these new highs, breaking that $60 uh, level uh, at the start of this week. But um, this has obviously been driven around all those good news stories that we've been talking about. Uh, although technically it looks like we, we still need a correction uh, with a trend extending on the basis of, a, of an optimistic future that we could potentially trade up to levels around the 62 and a half uh, level before we start to hit a resistance zone and we start to get a bit of retracement on, on levels. But optimistically positive, after several weeks of it doing absolutely nothing, we are, we've got some significant moves on those fuel oils and crude generally on things. That's always good to hear. <laughs> some, exactly. some level of volatility, yeah. Something interesting to say this week instead of <laughs> exactly. uh, having point level with percentages movements on products. Uh, but we were talking about, uh, Tom, you say in the week that we've actually had quite a, a volatile movement down $6, back up $8. The, the same is true in the fertilizer markets. 
Uh, Urea has had a very volatile week the last week. Uh, we saw some wild swings dropping 32 bucks from when we traded on Wednesday last uh, on aggressive profit taking before recovering again $18 in the same day. Uh, the week did close, uh, end of last week did close with a bit more positivity uh, with market confidence took a hit and remains down on recent highs. So same is true in international markets. We've had jitters following the activity in the NOLA. Profit takers have been getting slightly more aggressive in the nearby uh, and new shorts poking their head out into Q2. So physical markets have stalled somewhat ahead of the uh, Chinese New Year. Same is true of many products. Uh, and the expected India tender has not yet uh, come forward. Uh, conviction in the paper markets has dwindled slightly as a result of all of that. Uh, in the phosphates, we've seen the first signs of softening uh, in, I guess, in the, as long as we can remember on a lot of these products. Uh, sellers starting to, to get more aggressive, taking profits uh, and closing positions in the spot month. March futures uh, have therefore traded down to 545 after opening at 552. Uh, February traded 543 and 542 and the index came in at 540. So lots of movement happening in that fertilizer market all over the place, especially those urea markets on what we've got. In terms of wefa phase uh, to finish off the product Groupings, uh, a lengthening balance list into the end of the month uh, is depressing spot rates for TC2. And on the flip side, TC5 is seeing a tighter tonnage list on the LR1s combined with LR2s, looking at a little weak, weaker uh, and all helping to support spot values on that specific route. Uh, the dirty routes, on the other hand, still moving relatively sideways. However, the recent rallying crew can bring some much needed support. Uh, that big movement we said was over 6% move up week on week. Uh, as a few new build orders uh, start to trickle in. However, some have been cancelled recently uh, for the VLs. Uh, still haven't seen the level of scrapping needed to make a decent dent into the market. Something that we did talk about three weeks or so, two weeks ago, uh, was that there was increased levels of scrapping to try and help lift those rates after they've hit such such lows recently. Uh, but yes, not too much to, to interestingly report on the web phase, but that first market seems to be all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anything to finish off uh, before we, we close for this week? No, not from my side. Nothing further from me, guys. So a volatile uh, iron ore market and fertilizers as we move into the Chinese New Year. All those who are celebrating Chinese New Year, I hope you have a great time off and celebrate with family and friends if you're allowed to. Uh, but for us, do join us again next week where we have a special cobalt session. Uh, don't we, Tom? Who have we got coming to join us? Uh, we're being joined by uh, Charlotte Radford from uh, Fast Markets. So she's their cobalt pricing specialist. Uh, looking forward to joining us. Cool. So do join us next week for that special. And apart from that, thank you to Kerry and Tom for again updating on all their wisdom on their markets. And for everyone listening, thank you very much.